The following audio is from Life Journey Church. More information about Life Journey Church is available at www.lifejourneyva.com. We've been working through the book of Hebrews, and normally on Christmas, we take a break from whatever book we're working through to actually talk about, you know, Christmas. Well, today we're actually going to stay in Hebrews and talk about Christmas. It's kind of, kind of neat. Um, I really hope that if aliens from another planet, another galaxy, come and make contact with us, which, hey, who knows, it might happen, I hope to high heavens, that it does not happen during December. I hope, God willing, that if E.T. lands and walks into your living room, I hope it's not during the month of December. You know why, right? I mean, if aliens were to make contact with us, I would really want for that to be like a really, really good first impression. Uh, You know, I want to make a solid, impactful first impression when we see intelligent life from another galaxy. All right, I would not want it to be during December. What would he see if E.T. himself walked into your living room right now in December? He would see you, he would see me with our family in our living room, sitting in a circle around a dead tree that we've cut down and put into our living room, decorated with all sorts of gaudy lights and flashy balls, and then sitting around eating candy out of overstuffed socks, reading stories about a guy in a big suit with reindeer. I mean, if you think about it, I don't think that would be the best first impression for intelligent life form that has traveled here for however many light years in order to get here. That's not the type of first impression I think we would want to make. I mean, think about it. If he walks in and he sees that, I mean, E.T., he's phoning home and saying, look, guys, and this conquering this planet is going to be a breeze. They're sitting around a dead tree with gaudy lights, eating sugar out of their socks that have been hanging in their fireplace all month long. Look, we're going to be able to take this planet no problem. I don't think it would be wise for December to be the time when that happens, first contact with foreign life. Unless E.T. or whoever has some sort of point of reference where in December they do the exact same thing. And probably they don't. I mean, if you really think about it, it's kind of strange for us to put a dead tree in our living room and put lights on it, sit around and eat candy out of our socks, right? It's kind of strange, but we do it. So what I'm saying, what I wanted to talk about is the only way that that would make sense to that alien guy who comes in and sees that is if he has some sort of reference point. If he and his home planet did the exact same thing, he can't relate to what we're doing unless he and his family back wherever in some other galaxy have been doing the exact same thing. Connecting is about, and relating is about having shared experiences. Uh, Think about this. Um, If we don't have shared experiences with each other, then it's very difficult for us to relate and connect with each other. And I want us to talk this morning, not about aliens and, 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 you know, coming in December, but this idea of being able to truly relate and connect with somebody only because, or, or mainly because of a shared experience. I mean, think about it. How, how well do you think that you could connect this morning with a Hollywood A-list celebrity who walks in to sit at your table? I mean, do you have any shared experiences with them? 
Do you know what it's like to star in a movie? Do you know what it's like to, to have reporters and paparazzi, you know, chasing you, waiting for you just to, you know, do something silly so they can snap a picture of it and sell it to the National Enquirer? Right? It would be very difficult for us to relate because we don't have many shared experiences. For, you know, the, the NFL season is getting hot and heavy right now, right? We've got some Seahawks fans over there. We've got some Cowboys fans over here. we got some, well, I don't know about Dallas, you know, any Dallas fans, you know. The Hogs have already left, you know. Oh, all right, so uh, uh, we got some Dallas. we got a, we got a Dallas fan right there sitting next to Steve, sitting, sitting right between Steve and that. Yeah, yeah, diehard Cow, uh, uh, Redskins fan. But... What type, you know, what type of connection would any one of us have with an NFL star? I mean, let's face it. I mean, unless you drove a Buick and had nationwide insurance, maybe you could like talk about two things with Peyton Manning. But other than that, I mean, there's no real connection. I mean, when you go into the mall to get your wife a Christmas present, do you have people stopping you, asking you for your autograph and a picture? No, there's very, it's very difficult to relate, very difficult to connect with them. I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, think about politicians, not necessarily local politicians, but certainly uh, national politicians. Do we really think that we have the same shared experiences as the president of the United States on a day-to-day basis? No way. We don't have guys in suits walking around with Uzis under their coat, you know, talking like this. We have no, I mean... We just learned a couple days ago, right, that uh, there's a, a career politician that hasn't driven a car since like the 80s or something. I mean, how do we relate to that? We, don't, we can't connect to that thinking. Just think of royalty. Okay, think of kings and queens. I mean, do you really think that the queen of England is struggling this month to make mortgage payment, make rent payment? Like, I'm not saying that the queen is bad. Long live the queen, whatever. I'm just saying that it's impossible for us to relate because we have very little shared life experiences. Now, here's what I want you to do. Here's where we're going with all this. I want you to take this tension of not being able to relate to Hollywood, NFL stars, not being able to relate to the President of the United States, to the Queen of England, Take that tension of not being able to relate with any of them because you have very little, if any, shared experiences. And I want you to multiply that by infinity. Multiply it infinity when thinking about the ability to relate and connect with the very God of the universe. I mean, if an NFL star who gets paid millions of dollars to throw a ball is difficult to relate to, then how in the world are we going to relate to the God of the universe who owns everything, even the air that's in my lungs? I mean, if a woman or a man who's elected by the citizens of America to be our president is hopeless for us to connect with and relate with, with shared experiences, then how in the world are we able to connect with the God of the universe? If we see it's impossible to connect with a king of a country, then how in the world can we connect with the king of glory? I think if we're all 100% honest, we would say that there are times in our lives, maybe not daily, but maybe, who knows, but regular times where we struggle. I mean, really struggle with believing that Jesus knows what we go through, 
We struggle believing that Jesus really knows the pain of the loss. We struggle really knowing, really believing that Jesus knows the, the sorrow of death, the agony of rejection, the horror of depression. How could the God of the universe know what I'm going through? Listen, when I'm going through the darkest and loneliest moments of my life. Now listen, I might be totally wrong, but I think that this, what we're going to talk about this morning in just a few minutes, for just a few minutes, is one of the most important yet under-discussed elements of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Incarnation, there's a big churchy word. Incarnation just simply means in flesh. Christmas is the time when we celebrate Jesus becoming human. Now we know that Jesus more than likely wasn't born on December 25th. December 25th is just the day that we celebrate his birth. But Jesus didn't begin his experience, Jesus didn't begin his life when he entered into the womb of Mary. Jesus, like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, always existed. Jesus always was. There was never a time in history past, eternity past, when Jesus did not exist. However, there was an instant when Jesus, still fully God, entered into the human race. This is what we call the incarnation, when Jesus became and entered flesh. He became a human, just as we are, the selected portal from the kingdom of heaven into this kingdom of darkness was the womb of a virgin. But like any normal baby in utero, Jesus grew for some nine months and then was born in Bethlehem, just like Jim read in Luke chapter two. Each person in this room, I assume, or at least the vast majority, I assume, are very, very glad that Jesus did this. We're all glad that Jesus humbled himself, set aside his glory, and became a servant, taking on the form of, of a man. But why are we thankful for this? Why are we so thankful? And there's a lot of answers, a lot of good answers to this question of why we are so thankful. And they're all big, so we can't really say like the, the first reason, the second reason, the third, because they're all huge, they're all big. But one of the biggest reasons we are so thankful of why Jesus became flesh is, is remember what the angel told Joseph in Luke, no, in Matthew one twenty one. He says, Mary will have a son and you will name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In Jesus becoming a man, he saves us from our sins. In um, Romans chapter five, oh, where did I put my water? Oh, I already moved it. In Romans chapter five, Paul talks about how because Jesus entered the human race, he actually ended the Adamic line of death and sin and has replaced it with a new lineage of righteousness and life in Christ. So we're very, very thankful for Jesus entering into this human race for a variety of reasons. But in our few minutes we have remaining, I want us to think about a part of this incarnation of Jesus becoming human, which we celebrate, right, at Christmas, that we don't typically think about. Here it is, and I'm saying it twice because I think it's really, really important. Jesus became a human being just like us so that he, listen, can relate and connect to us in everything we experience in this world. I'm gonna say it again. 
Jesus became a human just like us so that he can relate and connect to us in everything we experience in this world. At our house, our our daughter right over here, Gwen, she's about to be four years old in February. And she's starting to connect the dots that baby Jesus and the Jesus that died on the cross and the Jesus that rose and now lives in the lives of those who believe in him. She's starting to make the connection that's all the same, Jesus. And it's kind of neat to see her making those connections. But there's a 33-year period between Jesus' birth and his death that we forget about sometimes. We forget that the God of the universe limited himself to our humanity for some 33 years and experienced every single pain, every single loss, every single hurt, every single temptation that you and I ever will experience. We've been walking through Hebrews on Sundays and we came across two verses a couple of weeks ago that when we got to them, I wanted to hold back on some of the awesomeness of the verses for this morning, right now, this Christmas gathering. They show us just how relatable and how connectable, if that's a word, Jesus, the king of the universe is to us because he became one of us and experienced everything that we will ever experience here on earth. Let's look real quickly at these two verses. Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Meaning, therefore, we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. So we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, look at this, who has been tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. This means every single experience that we've experienced, God, Jesus himself, is able to sympathize with us because he's walked through it. Hebrews 5.2, just a few verses later, he, talking about this high priest, he can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided. Okay, that's us. That's, at, least, at least that's me. The ignorant and the misguided. Since he also is beset with weaknesses. Meaning, Jesus himself, by becoming a man, shared in the weakness of our flesh. And so he can deal gently with us because he knows what it's like to exist in this flesh. You see, Jesus didn't show up one day and take the sin of the world upon his shoulders and die. Jesus lived 33 years in this weak human body, tempted in every way that we are, There were 33 years between his birth and his death in which he experienced every single thing that you and I would ever experience. Jesus knows the weakness of the flesh and he's able to be kind and gentle with us. He knows what it's like. He's not like some sort of royal king who sits in his ivory tower unwilling to come down to the courtyard while the peasants are still there. Jesus is the king of the universe who entered into this world through the cramped womb of a virgin and was laid in a manger. You know what a manger is, right? It's a feeding trough for animals. Please imagine this with me. For your benefit, the God of the universe who never needed anything from anyone was suddenly thrown into a situation where he was the most dependent life form ever, a newborn baby. And we know how dependent these guys are, right? We've got a little nine-week-old over here in the little carrier. I mean, when they're hungry, 
They cry. They don't feed themselves. When they're dirty, they cry. They don't change themselves. When they're tired, you'd want to think that they would just go to sleep. But we know they don't. They just cry until you put them to sleep. They can't do anything for themselves. They're 100% dependent upon others. Imagine for the first time ever in eternity past, Jesus requires the assistance of someone else. For the first time ever, Jesus felt things that we feel today. He felt the cold air that first morning in Bethlehem. He felt the necessity to breathe, something that he had never done in eternity past because he was God. He didn't need to breathe, but he limited himself to need to breathe. He felt the necessity to drink from his mother's milk. He felt the same feelings we feel. That's a, that's a powerful thought. <coughs> Imagine this. Because of his great love for you, he stepped out of the throne room of heaven where angels surrounded him 24-7, worshiping him, and was born into this broken world where the smells of birth, the smells of animals, were the first smells to fill his nostrils. Not the smells of royalty. No, the smells of mess. Imagine this. Because of the great desire to relate, the great desire to connect with you, the God of the universe laid aside his royal robes, leaving them in heaven and was wrapped in rough cloth and was laid in a manger. He set aside his throne and was laid in a feeding trough. Why would he do this? Well, we know the big picture to take away the sins of the world. But let's don't forget that he did this. He became one of us for 33 years so that he could relate, so that he could know, so he could connect, so the God of the universe would have the same exact shared experiences as you, so that you would never be able to say that Jesus doesn't know what you are going through. He went through it all so that you would know that he knows what you're going through. He experienced your pain. He experienced loss. He experienced the same fears. The very one who spoke the world into existence is able to relate to you regardless of your scenario and regardless of your situation. Jesus may not have been tempted with the exact same temptation that you are tempted with today. Things change, temptations change. But don't forget that for 40 straight days, Jesus was tempted day in and day out by the devil himself. So when you are facing whatever that temptation is in your life, remember that Jesus lowered himself to experience even worse temptation that you and I could ever face. You know, Jesus may never have lost a child like you have, like I have, but let's don't forget that Jesus stood out of the tomb of his beloved friend, Lazarus, and cried. He shed the same tears that you shed when your baby died, when my babies died, 
when, when, when your grown child died, when your loved one died, he shed the same tears that you shed. Why? So that he could connect and experience the exact same feelings of loss that you experience. Jesus might not have had a wife who walked out on him and left him with the kids in a pile of debt or whatever that you might be facing, sure. But you know what? Jesus does know what it feels like to have someone promise their life to him and on that very same night deny that they even know him three times. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he go through that? So that he can share the exact experience that you have of abandonment and loss. So that he would know what it feels like to have someone renege on a commitment they made to you. Jesus, sure, he might not have had the bank knocking at the door wanting to foreclose on the home, sure. But Jesus knew what it was like to have no place to lay his head. Jesus said, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his what? His head. Why would Jesus do this? Why would he intentionally enter into this environment where he knows what it's like to be homeless? So that he would know what you feel when you have no place to call your own. Sure, Jesus might not have had a teenager who who rebelled and broke his heart, but he did have Judas who lived and ministered with him for three and a half years and for 30 pieces of silver turned him in to the authorities. Why would Jesus do this? Why would he have gone through this pain and this agony? Listen, so that he would be able to share the experience of a rebellious loved one, the heartache of rebellion by someone he loves. Sure, Jesus didn't spend his life in the darkest, deepest elements and parts of depression. Yeah, Jesus didn't experience what many of us experience on a day-to-day basis of this depressive cloud around us with no way out. But Jesus did have this one night in the garden, let's don't forget, when he was pressed so deeply with the weight of the sin of the world upon him that the very capillaries in his sweat glands burst because the pressure of his blood was so high and sweat actually, I mean, blood actually came out of his sweat glands. Why would he have endured that? Why would he have experienced that? So that he would know what it feels like to carry a burden that just simply is too great to handle. Jesus, yeah, he might not have been faced with the constant barrage of of bitterness (coughs) and anger and rejection. But there was this one time when he hung on a cross. And for three hours of that time, he was on the cross Total darkness filled the land. And the full cup of God's righteous wrath against our sin was poured out upon Jesus. It was so horrible that Jesus the Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, haven't you and I said that same thing before? 
in one way or another? Why have you forsaken me? Why in the world would Jesus go through this? Yeah, obviously the big picture of removing the sin of the world. But in a way he did it, he did it in such a way where he can relate and connect to every single one of us who experience loss, pain, and rejection. He did it so that he would know what it feels like in the midst of darkness, of of darkest nights, what it feels like to have nowhere to go. He went through this for you so that you would know that when you're there, there is someone who has been there in an even worse way than you who is standing there ready to relate to you and rescue you to himself. Please listen, church. We wrap up, get ready to eat. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. We don't have a high priest who's unable to connect. We don't have a high priest who's unable to relate with our weakness but we have one who has been tempted. We have one who has shared every single experience that we could ever have in all things as we yet without sin. He can deal gently with us, us ignorant and us misguided since he himself has shared for 33 years this same status of weak flesh. Our journey marker this morning, if you're new with us, it's just kind of like, what's that one thing we want to just remember all week long? It's just this. Jesus entered our mess, that's Christmas. He entered our mess to relate and rescue. To relate and rescue. As we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate God becoming a man. We celebrate all that's associated with it. God became a man so that he could perfectly relate, perfectly connect with us in our most horrific situations of life. Jesus entered our mess to relate and to rescue. Please listen. When we walk through the toughest pain of life, the toughest pain of depression, pain of loss, of fear, of anger, the toughest pain of uncertainty, of rejection, the toughest pain of you name it, fill in the blank, whatever you're experiencing. We have a God, Jesus the Christ, who is able to relate. He's able to sympathize with each and every situation and scenario because he entered our mess and he experienced them himself. He knows, he knows all too well. He knows perfectly well what you're going through because he walked through it for 33 years. He became man for the sheer purpose, yes, to remove our sin, yes, to rescue us to himself, absolutely, but let's don't miss the truth that he did it so that he could relate to us in our weakness. What a Savior. What a Savior. Our band's going to come up and we're going to close out in a song this morning. And as we wrap up and get ready to do some good old eating, though we've been rescued from this kingdom of darkness,
we still experience this world and all the mess that's still here. As we walk through whatever mess we're in, it could be a huge mess, it could be a tiny mess. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, remember that Jesus entered our mess so that he would be able to experience what you're feeling. Whatever emotion that you are feeling, whatever issue that you're walking through, whatever is causing that anger and that bitterness, whatever that thing is, remember this morning that we have a God who entered our mess so that he could experience that same emotion, so that he could share in that experience. We don't have a God who sits on the outside looking at us saying, man, what crazy losers. We have a God who entered the scene and became one of us to share in the experience that we have on a daily basis. He knows. He knows all too well. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. He loves us so much that he experienced every single pain that we will ever experience. This morning, if you don't trust in Jesus, this morning, if you haven't come to the point in your life where you have embraced Jesus as who he is, the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the the lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world, please listen. Today, you must begin trusting in him. Today, you must realize that apart from him, you're hopeless. Apart from him, there is no life. You must realize today that only in Jesus, only by trusting in him, can you have life. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing. And if you wanna come and talk with me or Jim or any of our leaders, please come talk. But if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. The God of the universe loves you so much that he entered into this mess of humanity to experience every single pain, every single hurt, every single fear, that you experience on a daily basis so that he, the king of glory, can relate to you. What a savior. What a savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our time. We thank you, Father, that you (coughs) are what we worship You are what we magnify. You are what we exalt. You and you alone. Father, we thank you so much for this reality of Christmas. That Jesus entered this human mess to rescue us. But in that process... He related to us in every way. To the point where he now deals gently with us because he shared in our weakness. His grace extends to a thousand generations. 
Because he knows, because of that first Christmas and the 33 years later, what it's like to live in this world. So Father, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the death, the burial, the resurrection. But God, let us remember that in the middle, there were 33 years where the God of the universe felt the same hunger that we feel. He felt the same homelessness we feel. He felt the same uh, uh, loss of, of, of loved ones we feel. He felt the same agony of, of pressure too great for his flesh to handle that we feel. He loves us so much that he shared every single experience so that now we have a God, a high priest, Jesus the Christ, who is able to sympathize with every single one of us because he was tempted. He shared in every single one of these experiences. What a Savior. What a Savior. So God, if there's anyone here this morning who is carrying anger and bitterness, even against you, that this morning that they would realize the depth of your love for them, that you entered our mess to understand, to relate, and to rescue us. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Life Journey Church. Feel free to distribute this podcast, but please do not charge for it or alter it in any way. For more information about Life Journey Church, visit us at www.lifejourneyva.com.